Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What is up, entrepreneurs? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. Today's topic and speaker and presenter and guest is going to be life-changing for you. We're going to help you build wealth, build equity, get rich, get out of the rat race, tips on what everybody should be doing to change their life, to provide value. This is by far one of the most requested topics I get from all of you out there in the audience. We're going to talk about real estate investing, and there's nobody better on this subject than my man, Hayden Crabtree. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, man. What's up? Dude, good to have you back. I know. It, it, uh, it is just an honor to be here in the new, amazing location in downtown Athens. Uh, loving the energy here. So thanks for having me. It's super pumped to bring a ton of value to all the listeners out there and show them the ropes in real estate investing, something that is near and dear to my heart. Dude, you've been doing this for years. Uh, You cut your teeth in college learning real estate. You've written books about it. You have courses. You have so much experience in buying and selling residential, commercial, portfolio, storage facilities. But today, we're going to get down to the basics. We're going to talk about why everybody should be a real estate investor, how you can do that, what that looks like and honestly why it's just such a freaking good idea it truly like blows my mind that everybody doesn't own rental property and i think it is there's no better way to build equity and to get rich in, in the united states right now it's the best core fundamental way for the average american to build wealth i mean i think that there's a huge opportunity in any facet of entrepreneurship to get mega rich but as we know 95 percent of businesses fail well certainly 95 percent of real estate investors do not fail <laughs> my my hunch is it's more like 95 percent of real estate investors become wealthier than they could imagine because it's just simple right and i think that yep. that's what a lot of people get confused about the basics of real estate investing is the basics are very very easy don't overcomplicate them. And there's a lot of people out there who want to make you feel like you're not smart enough to get this. It's too complicated for you to know. And at the end of the day, it's a couple of basic math equations, a bunch of basic, simple fundamentals, like where do people live? Where do people want to live? Uh, so I'm excited to dive into that, man, and, and kind of hopefully provide more value in the most simple way that I can imagine to give those people the confidence to dive into buying their first property or their next property. Dude, I could not agree more. And simple, you make it simple. I don't know that in general it's simple to everybody or or most people don't present it that way. They make it seem more complicated. You put things in layman's terms, make it simple, and in your book, Skip the Flip, which everybody here can go get today. I could not recommend it no matter if you're thinking about real estate, if you're some sort of veteran in real estate, it is so awesome the way you lay that book out, the terminology. I think everybody can go to HaydenCrabtree.com slash free book. Slash free book. Go get that book. I guarantee I, I'll – well, it's free, so I, you don't even <laughs> have to pay for it. But if you do pay for it and buy it on Amazon, I'll give your money back if it's not valuable for you. It's that good. But that's the – The cool thing about real estate, and like you pointed out that most people don't understand, I can't think of any single reason 
that would disqualify somebody from owning rental real estate. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't have any a down payment, I don't have any cash. Doesn't matter. You can still do it anyway. Oh, man, I've never owned anything before. Doesn't matter. Oh, I'm a W two job. Doesn't matter. Oh, I don't have good credit. Doesn't matter. Like anybody can own real estate. There's creative ways to figure this out. Before we dive into that, I just want to really quick give some highlights on you and I and have we we've used real estate to change our lives. Um, obviously, business owner, accounting, kind of my realm. I started in residential real estate. I made a ton of mistakes starting out, dude. I'm, I thought I, you were going to say a ton of money. I was like, yeah, no, let's go. Well, I, we go. Hey, well I'm getting there. So there I made a, so many mistakes starting out and just totally screwed up. I was going to flip property. And, you know, this was during the early 2000s. And then, man, we had the dot-com bust. And then we had the recession. And what was going to be flips turned into rentals. And I chased some deals as opposed to quality houses and all that being said at one point i started out with one or two i ended up with seven at one point and that grew to 11 and i can't even describe the amount of mistakes i made along the way i didn't know what the heck i was doing i was in my 20s i was clueless but i made a pile of money it still worked Mm -hmm. like it's still in the end even though i screwed it up over and over and over and it wasn't what i wanted i still made money i used that to roll into other projects and other things i learned and now here we are later with several million dollars of real estate tons of passive income tons of equity like it's my retirement plan Mm -hmm. and for me that's kind of been my story i know you started out in college give us a little crash course on your side yeah, I mean, I read a little purple book based off of what uh, uh-huh. somebody told me to in college, and that purple book uh, changed my life. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it just opened me up to these ideas that I, I and concepts I'd never thought about. Because I grew up, I grew up in a great family, but my family wasn't a family of investors, wasn't a fan. It was a family of W two employees with Same the whole here. mindset of, hey, let's go to college, let's get a job, you know, let's put. Uh, let's match whatever our employer matches into our retirement. And that is, you know, kind of the the way to get to where you want to be. And so for me, when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, concepts like the rich don't work for money, uh, concepts like the rich don't pay taxes or you don't have to pay taxes or, you know, buy assets instead of have a job, right? Those were all new fundamental concepts that really changed my worldview. And at that point, when you have a new worldview, you're starting from scratch again, you know? And so you're just trying to understand what is this world like? And a lot of people think it is this totally separate world, but I quickly learned it's not a hard world to learn, right? As long as you know addition and subtraction, it's a very easy world to understand. And so in that process, said, I want to learn this new world. I'm going to find a mentor. So I got on the internet, uh, looked around a company called Bigger Pockets, which they also have a real estate investing podcast. But I started listening to some of their stuff, got on their blogs and found a guy who was talking about here in Athens, how he had uh, bought some duplexes or wholesaled some duplexes, uh, went on to buy them back, went on to put money into them, refinance them, get a bunch of tax benefits on them with no money, make monthly cash flow. And as a 19-year-old, in college who had, you know, less than a thousand dollars in my bank account and, you know, honestly kind of bleak outlooks on what my career would look like and like, oh, I can go make, you know, seventy thousand dollars a year. Not to not to rain on anybody's parade that's making seventy thousand dollars a year, but I was just like, I wanted the freedom 
to do whatever I want control, right? I, I love being in control and I just didn't really like that outlook. So I reached out to this guy and I ended up uh, working for him for free. Ended up working for free for over a year. And in that process, I got kind of thrown into this world of real estate investing. If you've heard key terms like wholesaling, flipping, single family rentals, multifamily properties, commercial, I started to learn all of that and really grow an understanding of how that world works. And I learned a couple of really important things in that time. The first thing that I learned is that there are a lot of shiny objects in the world of real estate. Now, a shiny object sounds enticing, but you have to think that a shiny object is a distraction, right? Shiny objects don't get you to the goal, but they take your distraction away from the goal. The biggest thing I learned is house flipping, wholesaling real estate, and really single family rentals are some of the shiny objects in real estate investing. They work. Without a doubt, they work. Without a doubt, you can make money. But the biggest thing that I learned is that, that long-term cash flow properties are what's going to build the most amount of wealth in your life for a number of different reasons, which I'm sure that we're going to dive more into. Um, But that's kind of my background and journey. I ended up learning those things. Once I learned that, I also learned that there's different strategies inside of long-term buy and hold. There's turnkey strategies where really you don't do much. There is the, uh, we'll call it a value add strategy where you're buying properties and you're either fixing it up or you're finding ways to increase the income. And then after I got into those strategies, I also learned about redevelopment and development of properties as another way to kind of build wealth, just another strategy, another tool in the toolbox of an investor's uh, kit. So I ended up buying um, about five to 600,000 square feet of self-storage properties in five different states in the U.S., have now done uh, multiple different commercial investments uh, in the millions of dollars of improvements and and fixing up properties. Uh, And so over the last seven years now, I've really tinkered with a lot of different strategies, had my hands in a lot of different properties and a lot of different uh, a lot of different projects. And so I've got a little bit of experience in which we can talk about this and hopefully bring <laughs> some value. Dude, I love it. And and man, it's it's just so cool of a space for real estate investing because real estate is everywhere. Everybody needs a place to live, everybody needs a place to work. Like it's it's in every city, every size, every person has some experience in living in real estate, and it's really not that complicated to be a real estate investor. And I think for me, you know, what I try to do from a number standpoint is break those barriers down to show people, here is how you can do it. Here's how you can start today. And it, it just takes, you got to do some due diligence. You need to start learning. You need to start reading your book. You need to get on I use Realtor.com, use some site that's showing you real estate, looking at it comps, go ride around, learn things, learn terminology, understand, hey, what's what's my note going to be if I buy this? What's the rent income going to be? Can I go up on rent every year? And just treat it like a really simple business that it is. And probably the, the, the two things I'll start this out with, and I'll kick it to you, Hayden, to really dive into how do people take action in making this happen. Number one for me, a lot of these listeners on here are entrepreneurs and business owners, and I love having my money in multiple buckets. Like you said, 95% of businesses fail. Why in the hell would I have all my money in my business when it has that high of a failure rate? That's crazy. You can't put all your eggs in that basket. That is not your retirement plan. Your business is not going to support you forever. One of three things is going to happen. 
you can sell it, which a very, very, very small percentage of people ever do that with any sort of profitable exit strategy. You can shut it down or you can give it away. So that is not a good option, but I do think you should grow your business, keep doing that, but you've got to learn to spend less than you make in your business. You've got to have some version of some safety net or some money to be able to invest in other things, even if it's a tiny amount. It doesn't have to be a 20% down payment, but you got to have a cushion of spending less than you make. So that's number one. Number two, the most shocking thing that clients I talk to don't realize is when you're buying rental real estate, your income has very little to do with the underwriting, underwriting and loan process. If there's tenants already in place, it doesn't affect your debt to income ratio. You can borrow money against the rental income. And so you don't have to have a whole lot of money or a ton of credit or a ton of income to buy rental property if there's tenants in place or you get contracts in place before the closing. And so it starts to make it super simple without even getting into owner financing or with partners. But man, you're the expert here. Kick us off how the everyday entrepreneur business owner the small business owner starts taking the leap to say, hey, I want to diversify a little bit. I want to get into real estate. Well, we can certainly talk about, you know, making the the leap into it. And my suggestion is, is, is really dependent based off of where you are in your life. You know, if you're somebody who's has no money and, you know, you don't know anything about real estate or business, you don't have any connections, which is exactly where I started. Me too. You know, that is... That's one set of advice. The, for the guy out there who's making seven figures a year and and you know putting thirty five percent of his income back into the government, my my advice is probably a little bit different based off where you're at. But for both of you guys, no matter where you're at or anywhere in between or above or or wherever, uh, I, I really want to talk to you about why real estate is the ideal investment, right? So this is very easy to remember why real estate is ideal because there are. are I-D-E-A-L, ideal. I stands for income, which means that the properties that we buy, okay, and again, this is my kind of real estate. This isn't flip real estate. This isn't all this other stuff. The 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 wealth building cash flow real estate, the I stands for income, meaning we're wanting to buy properties that are going to pay us every month. Whether you're sailing in Tahiti, whether you're you know on Chad's boat in Charleston, whether you're at a Georgia football game, it doesn't matter. You are going to be making money. So that's the I. The D stands for depreciation. Now, if you're not making any money, it's really not that big of a benefit to you right now. It will be once you start to make money. But for all of you guys who are paying geez, let's say 20, 50, 100, 200, $300,000 back to the government in taxes every year, depreciation can be huge for you, right? The D in ideal depreciation is a, I like to call it a ghost expense, which the government gives you. It just says a, a building's value is going to go down over time, which doesn't make a lot of sense, guys. Buildings values go up through time, but the government, well, they do everything backwards, right? So they actually say it's going to go the other way and they allow you to write that off. It can save you a lot of money on taxes. I know a guy who can help you out on that, okay? The E stands for equity buildup. And really, guys, what this is, is as we borrow money to buy properties, we're borrowing somebody else's money, right? So I borrowed money at 2.6% in 2020, and almost all of the payments that I'm making on that loan go towards paying down 
the debt of that property. So every single month I'm putting a little bit more. I look at every property as a little bank account. Every time I make a loan payment, that bank account balance goes up. It goes up. It goes up. So that is the uh, that is the next phase. The A in ideal is appreciation. Like I mentioned, buildings values go up through time. And I got some news for you. They're going to continue to do so because the Federal Reserve states they want inflation to occur at 2% a year. Now, yes, I get it sometimes. And in some markets, buildings values go down. But I'm willing to bet everything I have that over the long run, the buildings and real estate continues to go up and up and up. And the last thing, guys, the biggest advantage for me in how I've built wealth is leverage, right? Leverage is the use of other people's time, the use of other people's money, and the use of other people's uh, energy, right? Real estate allows you to capture and harness other people's everything, really, which is what leverage is. Leverage is getting more outputs than the inputs you put in. What most people think about in leverage is using a bank's money, is going to the bank and saying, hey, I'm buying this property for $100,000, and they're going to give you a $80,000 loan or $95,000 loan or whatever kind of loan it is. And that's huge whenever you can use other people's money, but you also have to think you can use other people's time to bring in income for you. You can have a property manager. You're using your tenant's energy to pay rent and pay down your mortgage on the building. So that is why real estate is the ideal investment. If you ever want to think about it, there are five main reasons and five ways to make money on that. So that's kind of the setting I like to give everybody on why real estate is so powerful. But you know, let's talk. I think the question, Chad, was how would you start to get into a to a deal? Is that right? Yeah. How would just how would you start from an entrepreneur, from a business owner? Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm successful in my business. I have it sustainable. I'm making enough money to cover my bills. I'm not bringing in a hundred thousand dollars profit a year that I've just excess cash, but Mm -hmm. I do have a little bit of cushion there. I'm making some money. I'm paying my bills. I have some savings. Um, And I like real estate as opposed to the stock market. And I need somewhere to stick my money right now. What what, what would you recommend the next steps? And um, and that's kind of you and I talk through what that looks like. Yeah. I like to always think about certain things when I'm when I'm trying to give advice. I like to think about uh, frameworks. It's just like what is the lens in which we can view this through. So one of the things that kind of to answer this question that I've thought about is the framework in which I view a real estate deal. Right? I view a real estate deal that there are three things that are needed. And I like to think about it like if you're listening to this, it's a triangle, right? So you've got two sections on the bottom and at each one of those points, that's kind of the foundation, right? So those are the first two keys and then the triangle pins together at the top as it kind of brings together like a pyramid if you were looking at it. Um, And each one of those corners of the triangle is a key piece you need to the puzzle. I like to think about the most important and foundational concept as the deal itself, right? A lot of people can get wrapped up in, well, how am I going to manage this? How am I going to buy this? Who's going to be my banker? Who's going to be my investor? Who's going to be my painter? Who's going to blah, 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 blah. Guys, at the end of the day, nothing starts or happens until you have the deal. So the deal is the most important. We'll circle back to that in just a second. The other foundational concept is the management, right? The other major key is how do I, what is my plan? Am I going to be a good manager? Because you could buy the best deal in the world, but if you're, you know, if you're not a good manager, it's not going to make any money, right? If you go and you put bad tenants in there. This is a business decision. This is a business decision. Yep. 
And it doesn't mean that you have to be the manager. You just have to go through it. But again, you don't need to worry about who's going to manage it or any of that until you have the deal. But that is another foundational concept to ongoing success. And then the third, I'm kind of leaving it out there like, eh, you know, it's kind of the least important piece is the capital. Where am I going to get the money? Do I have the money? Whose money is it going to be? What's the structure we're going to be? Um, guys, what I have learned and how I've grown is that when you have a great deal and when you can prove that you'll manage it or at least know how to set up the management of it, the money finds you, right? I've gone through the efforts of, you know, trying to get on podcast or writing a book or whatever, but I have people reaching out to me all the time. Hayden, please, can I invest in your deals? I have bankers saying, hey, please, if you ever need a loan, reach out to me. And kind of the point being is when you find yourself in the position of with great deals and being a great manager, the money is kind of a non-issue, right? There's more money out there than there's ever been. And again, one of the ways that I like to think about these three keys is I want to like rewind all of our teenage years, right? If you had a car and you knew how to drive that car, you had your driver's license, you're 16, all your buddies are younger or whatever, you say, hey guys, I'll drive us, everybody just kick me some gas money right? So there's three things that are needed in any sort of car ride. What you need is you need a driver. Well, sorry, you need a vehicle, you need the driver, and you need the gas, right? Makes and so sense. I like to think pretty of it, simple. The vehicle is the deal, the management is the driver, and the capital, the money, is the gas money. So what I've learned is if I have a car, I can drive it, other people will give me gas money. That's how I like to think about it in terms of real estate investing. So with all of that being said, if I'm finding myself in a situation of a new entrepreneur, a new business owner, or even somebody who's working a W-2 and saying, I got some money, I want to invest it, um, I would focus on finding a great deal, educating myself on how to be a great manager or just a great analyzer of that deal, and then figuring out the, the management piece ongoing. And then I'd put some of my money into potentially uh, the deal itself, but mainly I'd probably try and find some other people with some money or work on some creative financing structures like uh, lease options or owner financing or even you know if you wanted to do an owner-occupant loan, say you find a duplex, a triplex, a quadplex where you can get in at you know 3 or 5% down or, or whatever it is. That would be my main suggestion is it all starts at the deal. So you're probably asking yourself, how do I find a good deal? Do I go to Zillow? Do I go to Realtor? Do I go, like, what do I do? And one of the things that I've done that has been the most successful is focus on what I like to call off-market deals, right? Off-market deals, before I go there, I'll just say one thing. I, I heard Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, I heard him speak in person. And one of the things that stuck out to me about what he said that I think is so true, he said, all the people who are the wealthiest you know, none of them are investing in any of the deals you've ever heard of. Because by the time the deals that you're hearing about get to you, all the wealthy people have already passed them over, right? And that's kind of the fundamental concept of what an off-market deal is, is I'm trying to view deals before everybody else can so I get my pick of the litter, so to say. I want the best one, right? I don't want the table scraps of all the, you know, the, the like, I mean, dude, we're minnows, right? We're competing against, I'm competing against Blackstone. I'm competing against guys who, you know, sold their tech company for $500 million and they've hired 10 people to go find them deals. Like, I can't pay more than those people. I don't want to pay more than those people. I don't want what those guys have said, nah, doesn't work for me. I want to jump to the front of the line, right? 
if we're going to Disney World, I want the fast pass in the line of deals. So how do you get out there and how do you do that? There's a couple of different ways. One of the things that I've been most successful at is sitting down, writing the owner of a property, a handwritten letter, and just saying, hey, if you ever like to sell your property, I love your property at 123 Main Street. I'm looking to buy it. By the way, I'm not a realtor. There's no commissions. You can actually make more money if you sell the property to me. So here's my phone number. And a lot of people don't respond, but a lot of people do respond. And that's where I've been most successful in finding those, quote, great deals. Dude, I love that. And again, you're just taking action to get ahead of the game, to find stuff that other people aren't doing. And for me, it's interesting. I ended up there, but I didn't start there. Mm -hmm. I started on Realtor.com. I'm like, hey, I think this is an awesome place. Uh, in this area or this city to invest. I really like it. It's somewhere I want to be and somewhere I would be really proud to own something. So I start looking every night. And I'm, I own multiple businesses. I have a lot going on, but I can carve out 15, 20 minutes a night to look at realtor.com. I just look at what's there, cross reference that with Zillow, what's values, what's selling, what's things so far in the past. Zillow will even tell you what things are renting for in, in that neighborhood or that area. The, if you go on the Zillow tab, if you scroll down on the bottom right, it'll show you price history and it'll show you when something's listed for rent. And if it's taken off, you can see if it's like, oh, I'm yes. interested for $2,000 a month for rent. And then if it doesn't rent, they'll say price change to $1,800 a month in rent. Or if it's just removed, you go, okay, it was rented for $2,000. It's, it's simple. It's so accessible. And you don't even have yeah. to be a numbers person. Zillow yeah. tells you the insurance estimate, the yeah. taxes, what your note payment's going to yeah. be. It's all right there. But for me, I'll spend every night for let's say four months looking at an area. One of my favorite things to do is go to that area. I like to jog that jog in that area and run and look at houses or walk or I'll go walk areas. And then we say, okay, I think we know enough now. And so we start there. And then when we find properties that, hey, this is the specific one we would love to have, that's where the letters come in or that's where the contact, or we make a relationship with somebody in the industry in that area. And before you know it, a month later, they say, hey, I got an off the market deal. Are you interested? You can get this before it hits the MLS, before it goes listed. And so there's all sorts of ways to craft this out. It does take research. It does take work, but everything is there in front of you. If you put in a little bit of time and a little bit of time learning and not, I think whether you have a ton of money that you want to stick into real estate or you want to learn the knowledge and skill set behind real estate, you got to know the deal because if you're just throwing money and trusting somebody else or you're just getting into it to get into it, that's where you got to be careful. I think there is some risk with that. But I know well, the one thing I know about most successful people, they have more money than they have time. Mm-hmm. So if you have the time to go find the deal, you can find the money or the investor. And I also know taxes are a big deal for everybody that's successful. If I'm looking to sell a property, if I can own or finance it, if I can creatively find a way to not get some windfall payoff right when I sell it, that's tax beneficial to me. I'm willing to work with you as the buyer. I win, you win. Or, hey, interest rates, what's prime now? Like eight freaking percent. Yeah, yeah, in a quarter. So now, as a seller, I'm like, I'd much rather take a note at six or seven, eight percent owner financing than. And that's competitive to what you would get from a bank or from a lender. So there's all sorts of creative ways to do it. And, man, I love how you break it down and just make it so simple for people. 
Yeah, I mean, it. you know, again, there is, when you're first trying to get into it, there's so many, as I alluded to earlier, shiny objects, so many ways to get distracted. And there's a lot of people out there saying, this is the best way, that's the best way, here's the pros, here's the cons. At the end of the day, it's all pretty good, you know? <laughs> it's all pretty if good. You, I, I will make a guarantee in any way you get into it, in any way you manage it, outsource, manage it, owner finance it, buy it, whatever, if you stay in it seven years, you will not lose guaranteed. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you, you, you can, you know, you can lose, but you, again, I said 5% of people, and I think it's, everybody. There, over there, time, there, it's hard to lose. Let me in tell real you, estate. man, people, there's only probably, like, I think, like 20% of people who listen to podcasts. Out of that, probably only. You know, five percent of people listen to business podcasts. So you guys are so far away from the bottom ninety-five percent that yes. I, I think we can guarantee it here. Success much. rate is already high. Yes, it is. All right, so let me ask you this: because the whole sexy thing right now, and 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 you touch on this, is not residential rental, single-family real estate. It's multifamily. It's storage facilities. It's commercial. It's it's all of these bigger projects and bigger things, but. Man, those things seem like diamonds to, to to go to try to mine and find. Like they're they're not popping up everywhere. They're not often for sale. People that want to step right into the multifamily or the commercial or the storage, where how do you start there? What's your recommendation for how to get into that piece of it? Well, I think the first you know thing to talk about is why would you want to do that? Why would you want to get into commercial? Because that's what everybody says on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you, you should, right, you should right, get right. into multifamily. Well, you should, yeah. I don't people. I don't think people know why. Other than they hear everybody <laughs> say, "Oh, multifamily is way better. Commercial is way better." Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, I think that. But one thing I just want people to know is that I've chosen to. I like if somebody sends me a single family deal. A residential deal. I won't even open the link to it. Really? I won't even look at it. Interesting. And, okay. And I, you know, like I just won't because I, again, I think it's a distraction from my mission. But the biggest reason is, is that when you're looking at, let's say, a single family house, there's really two downfalls that I see. And if you're just starting, it's okay to get into these downfalls. But long term, I want you to, you know, work your way out of it. The number one downfall is there's only one unit. There's only one customer at a time. So think about if you were a business and you only had one customer. It's a good analogy. Okay. If you only had one customer of business, what happens if that customer, you know, they get in a fight with their wife and they're grumpy and for whatever reason they choose to take it out on you or not go to work and then they can't pay rent or whatever it is. I think when you have one customer, you have what I call income risk. Right, you have it where if you only have one person paying you, you have a a high risk of your income not coming through. Right now, of course, you can get people out, you can re-rent the unit or whatever else. But I have often, or I have not often, I only veer towards multi-unit properties now because I don't want income risk. I want a, 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 a. bunch of different people paying me mother money every month rather than so one if person one or two me. or five people don't yeah. pay it's just not a big doesn't Listen, move man, your like, needle you still make happens. your note you yeah. still able to cover financially everything you need to yeah stuff happens i might you know i might make a little bit less money but i'm not coming out of pocket to pay the mortgage or coming out of pocket to you know pay utilities or whatever it is right and if you're in georgia or the southeast or whatever hey we're pretty fortunate to be landlord friendly states if you're in New York, California, 
like you can really have those tenants in there for a long time that cause a lot of hurt. And that's where, you know, even more so on the residential side, you have political risk, process risk, law risk, whereas on the commercial side, you really don't get into that stuff nearly as much. So that's the first downfall that I see. The second downfall that I see is that in residential real estate, your whole kind of value plan is determined by the market. Right. And in a lot of ways, it is in commercial too. But whenever you're looking on Zillow, you know, you can really point to a certain area and say, these homes sell for $250 a square foot. Right. Now, sure, maybe you can go build an extra thousand square feet or what, whatever the plan is. Maybe you can upgrade the kitchen and make it sell for $260. The value is always based on the the asset itself or the square footage itself. Versus when we're looking at commercial real estate, the value of the property is based all on the income you can generate. And I'm here to tell you guys, you can find a lot of different ways to generate income out of different properties. You can find different tenants. You can switch different uses. You can employ revenue management strategies. You like There's so many different things that you can do. But the cool part is even in residential, when inflation happens and rents go up, the value of the house still just kind of creeps up with the market. But whenever you're in commercial and the rents go up and your income goes up, up, it can really skyrocket the value of the properties that go in there. So just like a quick example, you know, if on a storage facility, I'm going to look at a storage facility tomorrow and uh, the, the current owner doesn't do any sort of admin fees, right? So when a customer moves into my storage facility, we'll charge them a $20 setup fee. It's standard. You're new to this business. There's a setup fee. It's a one-time fee. Well, at one of my properties last year, the admin fees alone brought in $10,000. It didn't cost me anything to implement the admin fee. Nobody bad an eye at it. But it's just one of those things you could do income-wise. But here's the cool part is that $10,000 dropped all straight to the bottom line. is an extra $10,000 of cash flow. But from a value perspective, let's say that added probably somewhere around $150,000 yeah. of value to the property. So not only am I making $10,000 a year, but I'm also making $150,000 on my net worth. And if I were to sell the property, $150,000 of proceeds. So that's just a small example of one of the ways you can kind of implement um, you Dude, know, higher income and higher value. On I, your, on I your love properties. it. That is an awesome example too of how you make money 10 times over by doing a value add or figuring out and and I for what I see from a number standpoint from clients and from things I've been exposed to most facilities or houses or multifamily that's been owned over a period of time by the same person the rents are way lower than the market rate you just simply can buy it and go up on rent and tremendously add value um, to the equity, to the project, to the cash flow. Um, when it comes to those multifamily, when it comes to storage facilities, same strategy for you. You just try to find off-market deals. Off-market. You yeah. just yeah. write letters, reach out, make phone calls. Absolutely. And, you know, I've kind of fundamentally thought about this. Like, huh, will off-market ever become so saturated that it's no longer an opportunity? And I really thought fundamentally about that question. And what I've come up with is, no, I think off-market will always be an opportunity because there are going to be individuals who are always inheriting properties from their parents who have died who never want anything to do it. That's one of the biggest things I see. The other biggest thing I see is these property owners who are used to doing everything themselves, the old school way, they want to retire. They want to get out of properties. I think there will always be people who want to do it themselves who eventually want to retire. So I think 
in the commercial world especially, I see that as um, is, is one of the biggest things I hear of why people want to sell off market. And then of course I can build a relationship and, you know, they like me, they trust me, they know me and they're willing to sell to me. But I think that will always be an opportunity because people will always be inheriting properties and people will always be wanting to retire. It's just the cycle of life. And, and let's be honest, most people are just lazy mm-hmm. and don't move at the speed they need to so they just haven't taken the time to list it or they're like oh i gotta clean it oh i gotta do this and so you catching somebody off market they a lot of them want to sell anyway they just honestly just been too lazy or they they just procrastinate like oh i'll do it next week or next month and six months go by and they still haven't put it on the market or they're you happen to catch them on a day that the tenant pissed them off and they're like screw this i'll sell this thing right now and yeah. so it, the timing is is there for it. I agree with you. I do not think it's going to be something that that uh, that changes or, or that gets uh, highly competitive for off market deals. All right, my man. Well, I, hang on. Oh, you got more. Well, I just want to say this to everybody, right? If you're in sales, if you're an entrepreneur or anything, you know that you almost never sell anything to anybody the first time you talk to them. If you do. Uh, if you're you not do, going to write one letter and pick up your right so, 10 letters to 10 property. You got to hammer the same ones over and over. What you just said is Ooh, it depends on when you catch them. Right? That's good. So I just want to pro tip this in for Huge you guys. Huge pro there tip. Are, and why I, think why I think this will always be an opportunity is more and more people as the internet and social media has come along have learned about the off-market strategy. So if you send a letter today, you're definitely going to get some people who respond and say, you know, I get a couple of these letters, right? But here's the two things that I will say. Number one, nobody else is writing handwritten letters because it takes effort and people want to do the minimum possible to feel like they're getting something done. The people are lazy. That's the first thing. The second thing, guys, is I get, as a property owner, I get people sending me letters. I get a lot of people who send me one letter. I've had nobody send me two letters. Nobody. Not a single person has sent me two letters. And I'm thinking to myself, where's the, I, I send people five, six, seven, eight letters. And I will hear so often on the sixth letter that people say to me, I just, I just really appreciate your persistence, right? I didn't know if you were legitimate the first time, but you just took this so seriously that I knew that I had. So I want you to know is that on that first letter, you're probably not going to get many responses because you're, you're still competing with other people, not as much as you are on the on market. But you gotta you gotta stand out from the crowd. And so again, if you're selling anything, you're never gonna do it on the first attempt. It I think the the stats are like the average sale happens on like the eighth attempt or something like that. So if you're getting into this, if you if you actually take action, which I would really applaud, uh, you know, don't get discouraged if it doesn't happen on the Dude, first. That's one. such a pro tip, and that's something I need to hear because for me, yeah. I'm not putting that much. I know you got. Like, put more I've got a property right now. I really want. I've wanted How it. Lauren and I've wanted it like for seven probably five to seven years. We've sent a couple emails. We've sent probably two letters. They know we want it, and they know, but we're sending a letter like once every year or two. So we got to, yeah, that that right there encourages me to take action today and to put it on yeah. my calendar oh, you to put continue it on to take action on this property I know I want. 
I let me know. let me tell you something, man. Like for those people who are in those same shoes, like I want this property. I play a little more of the shotgun approach, sure. which is like here's a thousand properties I would potentially want to buy, and let's reach out to a thousand people in a systematic way. Um, but if you're honed in on one property because maybe it's your neighbor, and you're like, I'd love to have yeah. that neighboring property. I've heard some crazy stories about people who will um, like they'll go to Home Depot, they'll buy a full on mailbox, and they'll stuff the mailbox with like something that's unique to that person or that property or whatever it is and they'll put the full mailbox in a box and ship it first class to the person <laughs> oh my god so this, this awesome. person gets this like 40 pound six foot long package delivered to the front door everybody opens that yep so everybody opens it's that. funny so, you say that because we get man i get texts probably two or three times a week on yep. properties but i get we get letters all the time we don't ever get the same one twice they always are different people yep. sometimes it's the same number and they use a different name but this one time it sticks out in my memory Lauren and i talk about it a lot one of them sent me a birthday card a birthday card a birthday card and yep. i opened it up and it was like hey are you interested in selling your house and blah 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 and yep. i'm like them smart jokers yeah. like this is brilliant yeah so it's uh the you can find ways to stand out because again it's you know off market is not like nobody else has ever thought of this and you know you're not the only person listening to this podcast but very few people listening to these podcasts or using this strategy are going to work it the way it truly needs to be worked and again all of this guy all of this comes back to the notion of we're just trying to find a great deal right? Yeah. That's the whole goal. We're just trying to find a great deal because everything starts at the deal. Dude, I love it, love it, love it. And that is a huge pro tip and just a awesome, valuable piece of advice for everybody out there doing anything in business or real estate. I don't know how we're going to top that, but we have to because this is the part of the podcast where we have our max out moment. And this is a real estate max out moment if you could give one piece of advice, if you could leave our audience with one takeaway, one tactic, one tip that they can go out and implement this weekend, it could be read a book, it could be sign up for a course, it could be get on Zillow, it could be send letters. One piece of advice if they don't take away anything else, what is your real estate stronger business podcast max out moment? I see the wheels turning. You are the wheels are turning thinking so hard, my man. I'll do. I'll. I'll give the same thing that I give to people. I have a a, a coaching program where I help people individually, one on one. And the first step that I do with everybody who comes into that, shut your brain off and let's just focus on action. So the first thing I do, I don't care who it's to. I want you to go on Zillow this weekend or Google Maps or wherever, and I want you to just hold down the screen until an address comes up. And I want you to go to that address, and I just want you to handwrite a letter. Here's exactly what the letter is going to say. The letter You're going to find the property owner's name, which you can do that in the county database. Most of the time, if you're in Georgia, it's going to be through a website called QPublic. But if you're, let's say you're in... Brevard County, Florida, doesn't matter. Just go to Google, type in Brevard County, Florida property records, look the address up. You can find the person who owns it for free. It's crazy. You're going to find one address. I don't care if you want to buy it or not. We're just working that muscle of taking action. And here's the letter you're going to write. You're going to find the property owner name. Let's say their name is Chad. You're going to write this letter. Hey, Chad, my name is, and you're going to put in your name, but if it were me, I'd say, my name is Hayden, and I'm a local real estate investor. I could not help but notice your property at, and then you're going to put in the property name, period. I'm looking to purchase my next property 
comma, would you have any interest in talking to me about selling it? Question mark. Please give me a call or text at, and then put in your cell phone number. Put it in an envelope, slap a stamp on it, put it in the mail, guys. That is the max out moment of taking action because what you just did is as hard as it has to be. That's it. You just have to do it with repetition and consistency, and you too can be a real estate millionaire. Don't overthink it. Take action today. That is an awesome max out moment. All right, everybody out there, you've got to go follow Hayden. Hayden Crabtree on Instagram. HaydenCrabtree.com. This guy's putting out phenomenal content. I mean, the the reels, the shorts, everything he's delivering is uh, real estate investing, how to do things, why you do things, tax benefits behind it. Hayden, your content is next freaking level, dude. I love it. I love your courses. I love your books. I I'm telling you, go out there. If you're even in the realm of thinking about real estate, connect with Hayden. You will not regret it. Read the book. It's awesome. Man, thank you for joining us today. I can't wait to continue these conversations as we move forward. Thanks for having me, man. It was a pleasure. And again, anybody, if you want my best-selling book, absolutely free, which is like the basics of math. I know we've said here that, that the math behind it is really simple. I'll show you all the ins and outs through my best-selling book called Skip to Flip, Secrets 1% Know About Real Estate Investing. I'm not trying to sell it to you. You can have it absolutely free at haydencrabtree.com forward slash free book. Does it get any better than that? Go out there, entrepreneurs, and go out there, real estate investors, this weekend. Get stronger. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. We're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life. Check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business or follow us uh, on our website at StrongerBusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.